Welcome to the Coming Up Winners Sports Gambling Podcast. I am your host, ladies and gentlemen, Jason McIntyre. Had a rough NFL weekend. Listen, it was bound to happen. Fortunately, my co-host, Andrew Lynch, had a successful Sunday, Lynch, did you not? Yeah, I'm embracing this uh, 2018 NFL season with all these ties. I went 3-1-2 and two on the weekend. I, I'll take it. Of course you will. Uh, listen, we had a lot of great feedback from last week's podcast. For those of you new to the show, we're going to be doing podcasts every Monday and Thursday. We will recap Sunday's games. We will look ahead to next week. I will pay off my debts because I did lose a bet to a listener in Put Up or Shut Up. I did win one as well. We'll get to that. We will get to my college picks. I had my first losing weekend. And, of course, coming up, big split here between Lynch and I on the Monday night game. He's got some interesting numbers on that. But I want to get started with our first segment here. What did you learn from Sunday in the NFL? And we're going to bounce back and forth on this, but I've got to say, we know, and Lynch and I talked about this before we even started this podcast, the first few weeks of the NFL season is where you can make your money. Vegas is still adjusting. They're constantly tinkering with their numbers and lines, and there's an opportunity to make money. Here we are, week four. Folks, did you realize how dead on Vegas was? I mean, Lynch, six games basically came down to the final minute, final seconds, went to overtime, and Vegas was spot on. Let me quickly name the games. Houston Indy, Vegas was all over it. Houston wins by three in overtime. Cincy Atlanta, I mean, a last-second touchdown. Vegas, very close there. Dallas Detroit, a game I'm going to dig into. Jason Garrett, I'm coming for you. Dallas did not cover, but they won on a game-winning field goal. Tennessee Philly, depending on the number you got, you either got a push or a win. Seattle, Arizona was a push uh, of game-winning field goal there. And Oakland-Cleveland, which we will dive into later, another three-point game. Ladies and gentlemen, these first few weeks, that honeymoon period is over. You're going to have to do more homework. Lynch, your response to how close the lines were here in week four in the NFL. And then there was that Dolphins-Patriots game, which was super— No, that that doesn't really fit into this. Yeah, this is, I mean, like you said, the first four weeks are where you can really make your money in the NFL. For me, what did I learn? It just reinforced the importance of the hook, Mm. that half point. Um, Buying a half point, for those who might not know, most books will offer you for an additional, essentially 25% on the VIG, you can buy a half point in either direction on most spreads. So we talked on Thursday about that Rams-Vikings game. Mm. And I really, really liked the Rams at minus six and a half, not so much at minus seven. So buying the half point isn't necessarily profitable as an overall play. Um, But I decided to buy that half point and got the Rams minus six and a half at minus 130. And that ended up being a profitable play Mm. for me. I managed to get my money in on Cleveland-Oakland at Cleveland plus three. So the Baker train continues to roll along for me. We hit a little bit of a bump in the tracks, but managed to push there. Same Seattle, Arizona. I had Seattle minus three. So we pushed there as well. It's it's just incredible how accurate these lines are. And just be very mindful of that moving into week five. These lines are just going to keep getting tighter. And so your ability to pick the games that you want to play is just going to get just going to become more and more important. Now, you say be mindful. I do want to add, listen, Chicago was favored by three over Tampa. We even said, I believe on this podcast, maybe it was offline. 
how something seemed off there. Everything to us pointed to Bears. I had the Bears in the Super Contest, and they rolled. So Vegas whiffed on that one. So it's not like just because the line is two and a half or three, you're sidestepping it, whether it's in a contest, buying a point. But I think you got to really dig in. Homework is necessary. Now, Lynch, the second thing I noticed— you can't be scared from what you just saw. We always say it should be a mantra at this point for anybody who listens to the podcast. Nobody is as good or bad as you just saw last week. So I was scared of three teams this week. I backed off Jacksonville because of what I saw against Tennessee in week three. Jacksonville covered easily, never in doubt. I backed off the Patriots against the Dolphins because of what I saw the week prior. Patriots look bad. Oh, I don't know. They slaughtered the Miami Dolphins. And the other one, the Green Bay Packers, lost in Washington. Oh, I don't know. Are they that good? Covered easily. So that was, for me, missing three layups. And Vegas had those spreads as big, right? Uh, I believe anywhere from six and a half to nine and a half. And those were three easy covers that I missed. And I feel like part of my duty on this podcast is to help educate I whiffed on three layups, Lynch. What's really interesting is, you know, a lot of people like to fade the public, right? Mm. Whatever direction the public's going, they want to take the other side of the action. Jacksonville, Green Bay, and New England, all three were getting the majority of the tickets and the majority of the money. So that the public, for what it's worth, congratulations to you guys. You weren't scared off by the, the previous week's performance. I can't necessarily endorse zigzag theory. For, you know, a lot of people like to, if a team wins one week or covers one week, they like to go the other way the next week and vice versa. But it is extremely important to remember that no team is as good or as bad as the score is how I would kind of add a little bit of nuance there. Yards per play and some of these other stats, they'll give you a firmer answer of a team's true level of performance. But it, it is true that no team is as good or as bad as the final score. My last note, Real quick, uh, I was in the mix for the $15,000 quarter point of the season money maker in the Super Contest. I was tied for first, and I went 2-2, two and two, of course, with Denver pending tonight. So I will miss out on $15,000. The one thing I learned, Jason Garrett killed me, okay? I got to quickly get into this. I'm sorry, Lynch. I know you're laughing. Listen, they're up three, five or six minutes left in the fourth quarter. On the four-yard line, Ezekiel Elliott is having a dominant game. And Jason Garrett calls a pass on second down. From the four, incomplete. Third down, okay, they'll run Zeke. No. Called another pass. They settled for the field goal. And you just knew at that point. I said, it's over. I had no shot. Detroit's moving the ball at will. Golden Tate is torching the Cowboys' secondary. What happens? Detroit comes down. Touchdown. They lead by one. I'm like, all right, well, you know the Cowboys. They're not going to play for the touchdown. Jason Garrett gets a field goal and the win. And Jerry Jones is happy. And Dallas is happy. You guys, I, I could have taken the push in the half point there. I would be in the mix for $15,000, but alas. Jason, all right, I, I rant over. Yeah, listen, you, you guys are glad there's no camera in my house Sunday because I'm telling you, it, it was a lot more angry, a lot more vitriol than what I just displayed here. I'd pay for a Patreon for that. <laughs> all right, Lynch, so that's what we learned from week four in the NFL. All right, I'll call the two grand. I'll gamble. Don't splash the pot. All right, moving on to our next segment, Put Up or Shut Up, where I pay my debts. You guys know the rules of Put Up or Shut Up. You pick the game, I pick the side. If I lose, I will pay you either through Venmo or Cash App. If I win, you've got to give this podcast a shout-out on social media and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Here's how it went in week four. I was victorious over at 
Eric J. Montas. He picked the Bears-Bucks game. I had the Bears. That was a nice no-sweat game, eh, Lynch? You know, it's 28-3 and a heartbeat, and, and it, was a, it was a clean victory, right? I yeah. felt you feel good. Mitch Marino out here making it the easiest Sunday I've had in a while. Yeah, it was a great victory for the Bears. So, at Eric J. Montas, I want to see the shout-out this week and the five-star review. However, the other one did not go as planned. At Amart underscore 95, who I actually ran into out here in California. Wait, what? Uh, th- this is crazy. I, at least I believe it was him. Let me tell the story. He picked Ohio State, Penn State. I took the Buckeyes. They, of course, did not cover. They had a pretty amazing victory. That game was scintillating. Buckeyes come back to beat Penn State, but they didn't cover the number. So I will uh, Venmo you 10 bucks at Amart underscore 95. So, Lynch, let me quickly tell you. So I'm at this event Thursday night with my daughter. We're in this, like, camping group at this mall doing a meet and greet. We're in the outdoor area of a restaurant. I'm watching the Vikings-Rams game, talking to my daughter, other dads, and this guy walks by outside of, like, a plexiglass partition to the parking lot, and he goes, J-Mac! And I look up, I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. Maybe he's seen me on TV. You What's know? your reaction in that moment? Are you terrified? Or I'm, are you- I'm, I'm looking because he's wearing like a tank top and he's in good shape. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And, it, you know, it's like seven o'clock. So it's like kind of nighttime. I don't know if there's a workout gym in the mall. So I don't know why he's wearing a tank top. But all that crosses my mind in three seconds. And he says something and I'm like, I can't hear you. And then he shouts, I'm the guy who bet against you this week. What? This is like an outdoor mall, and I'm just stunned. And I, he says his handle, and I think he said, I'm at Amart95. And I was just like totally rattled. You know, I'm watching Rams-Vikings, which was an amazing game. And here's a guy I bet on on social media who I guess lives in my area. Lynch, it was a surreal experience at Amart underscore 95. If that was you, if you're listening, congrats on the bet. And great meeting you as well. So you guys know what to do for this week. You look at the schedule, pick the game. I pick the side, tweet at us or Instagram at us using the hashtag put up or shut up. And listen, I always pay my debts, so uh, look forward to what happens in week five. Hey, but you are so money and you don't even know it. All right, next up, as always, we want to recap not only where we got things right, but where we messed up badly. Uh, what were you thinking? Lynch, uh, a couple games from this past weekend. What were you thinking? Let's start with some positive, okay? Let's let's get some sunshine up in this podcast. Cincinnati Bengals, we were both on them, plus five in Atlanta. There were some dicey moments in the fourth quarter, but we came out on top thanks to Andy Dalton, who, I mean, the red rifle looks incredible. Andy Dalton is putting up monster numbers. Bengals looking good, covered in Atlanta against the poor Falcons, who's secondary. I mean, they can't stop anybody right now. And what was I thinking on this one? If this is the NFL in 2018, give me more of this. Put it right into my veins. There were two punts in the entire game. Two punts between Cincinnati and Atlanta. One for each team. Uh, Like, they were just marching up and down the field, scoring at will practically. 37-36 final score. Um, And, yeah, to me, this one comes down to the numbers. Most of the advanced stats, particularly DVOA, which I always come back to, had Cincinnati as the flat-out better team coming into this game than the Atlanta Falcons. But no one is going to look at the Cincinnati Bengals as a sexy, profitable team because they are the Cincinnati Bengals. (laughs) The Atlanta Falcons still have that glow coming off of the Super Bowl. Yeah, are... The Atlanta Falcons still have that glow coming off of the success of the past couple of seasons, but this Falcons team isn't playing like the Atlanta team we've seen over the past two seasons. So, 
yeah, there were some moments where I was sweating Bengals plus five and a half. But in the end, I felt like I made the right play throughout the course of the game. And that's really what matters to me. A quick word on the Bengals. And again, Lynch, you were spot on with your DVOA stuff last week. Week one, they score 34 on the Colts. Week two, 34 on the Bengals. Week three, they scored 21 in a loss, but then back up to 37 points. This offense can score. However. And wait, wait. They, ha- they don't even have Joe Mixon, right? He-, he should be coming back this week. Mixon, of course, had the monster game on Thursday against the uh, Ravens a couple weeks ago. They returned Mixon. This is an offense that, uh, you know, they could do some damage. They're a really good offense. Be wary about potentially overrating how good they are, though. They're fourth in the NFL in total scoring as of Monday morning. They're 16th in yards per play. And the latter stat is far more indicative of a team's true performance. Now, where are they? where's that discrepancy coming from? Well, the Bengals are second in the NFL in red zone conversion percentage. They're scoring on 84.6% of their possessions in the red zone. That's outstanding. But the best team in the NFL year in and year out converts in the red zone on about 65 to 70% of their possessions. The Bengals aren't going to continue to convert in the red zone at this rate. There's going to be some regression there. So there's a chance, particularly maybe in week five, week six, that there might be some value going against Cincinnati for that reason. Well, we could be talking Bengals later. They've got an interesting game this week at home against the Dolphins, who we'll get to momentarily. Quick word, Atlanta, 7.5 yards per play against the Bengals' defense. So uh, you're right. There are some red flags there. All right, let's move on to the next game. Uh, we both took a push here. Seattle, Arizona. We I, I forget, Lynch. I kind of liked Arizona here with Josh Rosen. You were on... Uh, I had Seattle just because okay. I wasn't sure what we were going to get out of Josh Rosen, yet would talk out the other side of my mouth saying Baker Mayfield was the second coming. Um, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I was happy to take the push here. What was I thinking is, man, I just I don't want any part of this Seattle team moving forward. Oh. They're just going to continue to frustrate me. Honestly, what was I thinking? I was feeling like Earl Thomas as he was coming uh, off the field. That's that's what I was thinking. So the good for uh, Seattle, they rushed the ball really well yesterday, but against an Arizona defense that's not that great. Lynch, not only did they lose Earl Thomas, they were 0 for 10 on third down. Lynch, this Seattle offense is not good. You know who goes to Seattle this week with extra time to prepare. McVay, Goff, Gurley. I don't, that is going to be a crazy game. Uh, there's no way. I know the move is to like, oh, yeah, you got to bet again. That line is already at seven and a half. We'll get to lines for next week soon. Seattle at home, no Earl Thomas. That This team is not good at all right now. No, not good at all. Um, that line opened for next week at, I think, minus seven and a half at the Westgate. It's at minus seven right now. And if you excuse me, I'm going to pull out my cell phone and make a bet. <laughs> all right. What were you thinking next game? We want to quickly touch on Bears Bucks. Uh, I know we touched on it in the put up or shut up segment. However, Lynch, uh, you want to make a point about live betting. I just want to quickly add something. I have been on the Bears all season. I like Trubisky. People were given Trubisky static, right? Oh, he can't hit passes after you get off the script, the first 15 plays or what have you. He struggles. I'm going to reiterate this. New tight end. Two new wide receivers. uh, New offensive scheme. New head coach. There's a lot to take in for a young quarterback. And again, this is a guy who played, I believe, one season at UNC, maybe maybe a couple more games than that. But I like what I see. This Bears defense led by Khalil Mack, they are a juggernaut. 
Chicago is going to, for me, going to be a bet on team. I don't care, you know, they scored 48, whatever. The Bucks, I believe, uh, I forget who his name, the head coach who said it best. They are who we thought they were. The Tampa Bay Bucks are not a very good football team. They're not a very good football team, and that was clear in the first half, and that presented betters a chance to get even more value. I actually won two spread bets mm. in Bears-Bucks on Sunday. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Um, had the Bears overall, but then at minus three, but then in the second half, they were plus three. They To me, they were clearly the better team, but oh, okay. Yeah. You know, teams, when you take a 700-point lead in the first half, maybe you take your foot off the accelerator a little bit. Maybe, And it is true that teams that are trailing by more than 10 at halftime, taking their side of the action in the second half is a profitable play uh, because teams take their foot off the accelerator, yeah. because there's some regression, because teams probably weren't aren't as bad as they looked in the first half, so they play better in the second half. But here we had specific information. And I know a lot of people like to listen to some NFL broadcasts on mute. They like to listen to music. They like to listen to radio calls. I'm telling you, listen to the broadcast because they will give you information. And information is currency, especially as a sports better. Near the end of the second quarter, it became pretty clear that Jameis Winston was going to sec start the second half. Mm. So the broadcast went to a report about how Winston has been staying prepared during his suspension, including playing mock games on Saturday. Really cool little feature. They had some practice footage. But then one of the Buccaneers' own coaches was quoted as saying, if we need Jameis to play, he'll be ready to play, but his instincts and his eyes won't be there. They said that on the television broadcast. Huh. Having your instincts and your eyes there seems pretty important for Kinda, a quarterback sorta, in the NFL. Yeah. So if I'm going to get Chicago plus three in the second half with a quarterback who has missed the first three weeks of the season due to suspension and by his own coach's admission is not going to be ready to play, give me those three points, three cash money. it again. Yeah, and they did. It looks like second half Chicago outscored Tampa 10-7. Winston, two picks, uh, did not look ready for the spotlight. Live betting is not something we've really dug into on this podcast, but as as going forward, I think that's something we need to look at because, listen, some of these sides, when Vegas tightens up, I, I don't see anything. Um, now, this final game, and what were you thinking? Browns-Raiders. Listen, I got it right. I talked about the Browns on the podcast, but it, does, it doesn't feel like a victory, Lynch. Cleveland, they, they kind of got jobbed here by the refs, and I don't want to be that guy who's ranting uh, about the referees. I mean... Listen, the Derek Carr fumble, that was a bad call by the refs. It was a bad call by the refs. I'm actually an officiating apologist. I will stick up for the refs. I will stick up for the refs. Dean Blandino, Mike Pereira, I got your back. Um, the refs are part of gambling. I, I hate to say that, but as much as a dropped pass or anything else is, they're part of gambling. In fact, if you're diving deeply into the numbers, you might be playing some games based on officiating trends. But on the other hand, the Browns shot themselves in the foot here. I mean, I don't know if you saw uh, Jordan Zerm, who is a, a Browns beat reporter, works for ESPN Cleveland. He pointed out this morning, Jabril Peppers ran into his own teammate on three kick returns. <laughs> Sorry, two kick returns and one there was no blocking in front of him. Like the Browns had every opportunity to win this game outright, to cover and to do so comfortably. Yeah, the officiating kind of cut against them. That's going to happen. Um but even as someone who took Cleveland here, I was kind of okay with the way things played out. The Browns' defense is my one concern well, moving yeah. forward. I mean, they the Raiders couldn't had stop 
anyone, particularly in the second half. Okay, so that's a good point about the Browns' defense, right? The Raiders had 565 yards of offense, okay? 27 first downs. They moved the ball at will. Just a couple weeks ago, the Browns shut down Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. So how do you reconcile that as a gambler? I mean, remember, this is an Oakland team that had been outscored 37-3 in the fourth quarter. They hung 21 on the Browns. Yeah. Okay, and now some of that was turnovers and, and short fields, but I don't know what to make of the Browns' defense. I think you have to give John Gruden a little bit of credit here in the Raiders as well. Derek Carr came into week four top five in the NFL in yards per attempt. You think that Raiders' offense, they're going to take shots downfield. Um, more than half of his passes went to went within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage on the left side of the field. They, were, they weren't quite dinking and dunking, but they were taking advantage of a Browns defense that was ready for deep shots and just marching up, down, up and down the field, chewing up yards here and there on every play. Uh, Baker Mayfield, my man, four turnovers. Okay. Now, now, I will say this. Get the ball to Nick Chubb. Oh, my God. How fast did he look? Three carries, buck 05, two TDs. He had two long touchdown runs. I don't see how Carlos Hyde can get 22 carries and Nick Chubb only three. I mean, Nick Chubb looks like a big-time stud. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll be keeping an eye on Brown's practice this week to see if there are any indications that Chubb might have a little bit more of a workload next week because the Browns might be a buy-low opportunity. Ah, Lynch, you read my mind. Listen, Baltimore's coming to town. Baltimore, we know, had the big Sunday night win. Baltimore favored by two. and I'm seeing two and a half. It could be at three. Is there going to be value on Baker Mayfield at home? I think so. I think so, but it's early. It's early. Say it with your chest. Browns-Ravens is actually a perfect segue to our next segment where Lynch and I are going to look at the lines for week five that jump out at us. Now, there's a concept here of the look-ahead line, okay? Sports books will look ahead to the following week before the current week has even been played. So, the for instance, the Dallas Cowboys on the look-ahead line, before they played their game against Detroit, right, they were plus 4.5 for week five at Houston. Okay, so then the games happen. Houston pulls out the victory in overtime. Dallas narrowly beats Detroit. And the new line pops up. Okay, the new line was three and a half. Dallas is an underdog. It's now at, is it at three, three and a half, Lynch? What's the latest as we're recording this Monday morning? At this moment, it is Dallas plus three. Okay, so one could assume, right, that Dallas was getting four and a half. Now they're only getting three. What could the difference be? Well, Houston can't protect their quarterback whatsoever. Deshaun Watson sacked seven times against the Colts. And Dallas has uh, Demarcus Lawrence, who's on an absolute tear. They've got a good defensive line. I believe Irving is back from suspension this week. Dallas has a good defensive front. Could that be one of the reasons? Well, also, Houston can't stop anybody. Andrew, uh, Andrew Luck tore up the Texans secondary. They lost Aaron Colvin, a cornerback. They already have another corner, Kevin Johnson on IR. Maybe this is a get-well spot for Dak Prescott, who didn't look terrible against Detroit. Still not throwing the ball down the field. Uh, I believe, and I know Dallas just burned me, but you got to put the emotion aside. I believe there's some value on Dallas at plus three. I agree. Um, this, this Titans defense is... Pretty stout against the run so far this season, average or allowing about three and a half yards per attempt. If the Cowboys feed Zeke, I do think he'll have success against this team. This is going to be one that's fought in the trenches. 
I jumped on Dallas plus three and a half when this line opened. I still like Dallas at plus three. If it ticks down to plus two and a half, you're starting to get to some dangerous territory yes. there. So I would advise people to, if you if you think this Cowboys team has value, as you and I both do, get in now. Yeah. So next up, we're going to look at the, uh, oh boy, this game. <laughs> this is a tough one to talk about. The Buffalo Bills, the unwatchable Buffalo Bills. The Jekyll and Hyde Buffalo Bills. Remember, two weeks ago, they go to Minnesota, shocked the world. One of the biggest NFL upsets, according to the point spread, in the last like two decades. Then they go on the road back to the Midwest, and uh, laying an egg, is that being too generous against Green Bay? I mean, Josh Allen looked like Wyoming Josh Allen. They laid a dozen. <laughs> I mean, Josh Allen was unwatchable yesterday. I believe he was sacked six times, uh, maybe seven. I lost count. He, he was awful. Two interceptions. I think he fumbled as well. They couldn't score, but they host the Tennessee Titans. Now, the look ahead was Buffalo plus three. Curiously, it's still at plus three. This despite the Titans' awesome victory. By the way, the Titans, how about that team? That is one of the most resilient, tough teams in the NFL. They were down 17-3 to the Eagles. They stormed back. Really gutsy call by the head coach to go for it in overtime on fourth down. Mariota hit Deion Lewis for a game-changing play. Then the touchdown pass. Titans knock off the Eagles. They're now 3-1. and one. They beat the Jags and the Eagles in back-to-back weeks, yet they're only three-point favorites in Buffalo. Lynch, I, I don't want to be the guy to say it, but is there value on Buffalo here? Uh, there might be. 20, <laughs> 26%, He's even reluctant. 20, well, here's the thing. 26% of the tickets are on Buffalo, 31% of the money, so slightly sharp there. Um, I feel like calling a team tough and resilient is the NFL equivalent of saying they have a great personality. Like, <laughs> who's watching this Titans team other than degenerates? Hello, friends. Um, <laughs> this this is an interesting line because the Titans are three-point favorites, but as we record this podcast, it's juiced to minus 125. And so this segment, we like to talk about where lines move, where there might be value. I'll be honest with you, J-Mac. I don't want to dive into research on a Titans-Bills game. I, I just don't want to do that as a human being. But if this moves to Titans minus three and a half, then I'm really yes. going to have to take See, a look the, at it. The hook, as you mentioned earlier. It brings you back. I, I will say, let's shout out to Blues Traveler. Yeah, wow, you know, well just making done. a Blues Traveler reference in 2018. That's I, I got to you know, I looked at this number I wrote about on the big lead this week. Uh, Derrick Henry can't run the football. Like, he looks slow. I mean, he has a buck 39 through four games. He's averaging like three yards a carry. It's become the Marcus Mariota show. Let's see if the Buffalo defense can respond at home. It feels to me like possibly a spot, but as you said, three, three and a half would have to be the number to feel comfortable. Can we talk about two fun teams now? Yes, please? yes, let's Thank move you. on. Okay, so in what feels like an elimination game early Ooh, in the season. I like that. The Atlanta Falcons, who we hit on earlier, very beat up and uh, defensively. Devonta Freeman should be back. They go to Pittsburgh, okay? Pittsburgh was negative four on the look ahead. They're now negative three. So Pittsburgh, I think Vegas is starting to see a lot of cracks in that facade. Great story about James Conner, right? He has a monster game opening uh, week against the Browns. Has really done nothing since. The Antonio Brown, Big Ben stuff, there feels like there's something there. And I got to say, Mike Tomlin is a head coach who... I, I, I'm starting to get a little concerned about. I saw no adjustments in the second half. I mean, Lynch, they had tied that game Sunday night against the Ravens. 
Tomlin looked confused in the second half. I mean, this is a, a Ravens defense did not even have their best cornerback, Jimmy Smith. I, I, I don't know. I know Pittsburgh's got the potential for an explosive offense. Is Atlanta going to be the play on the road? They're so beat up. I don't know how they can stop anybody. Atlanta-Pittsburgh is going to be one of the most fascinating games in Week 5. Is Atlanta the play on the road? The public sure as heck thinks so. Oh, no. 96% of the tickets are on the Atlanta Falcons. Yikes. 96%. Yikes. I've literally never seen this before. 89% of the money is on Atlanta. I... We've talked about this a lot. I don't like Ben Roethlisberger in 2018. I don't either. I don't think he is a winning quarterback. This line opened at Pittsburgh minus four. It's a juiced minus three right now. If those trends continue, it's probably coming down to two and a half. And then I'm probably taking Pittsburgh minus two and a half. So, so this is, again, just a line on Monday. We like to identify where there's going to be some value, where where the trends are heading Come Tuesday or Wednesday, you're probably going to see quite a bit of value with the Steelers. Now, let me quickly add to that, Lynch. We just said earlier in the podcast, no team is as good or bad as they were last week. Pittsburgh was bad on Sunday night. They ain't that bad, okay? We know there's talent. Juju Smith, the tight end Vance McDonald looks good. I don't—my first inclination was maybe Atlanta, but I don't want to be scared of Pittsburgh because of what I just saw last night. I think they had zero points in the second half, and as you said, Big Ben struggling. But don't be scared off a pretty good team, although they're struggling, just because of what you saw. I'll I'll leave it at that. I, geez, see, you talk you talk yourself into something. You hear some interesting stuff from Ma Lynch, and I don't know. I, we'll see. Maybe that's a stay away at three. I don't know. But this is why we have these conversations about process, right? It's important to recognize certain inflection points in the way that the line is moving, and it's important to recognize actionable data points what really matters in this game so that's why i i've always enjoyed working with others when i'm betting honestly when i was a poker player i lived in a house with three other poker players who are also sports betting and things like that living in that environment where you can talk about hey i played this hand this way what would you have done hey i'm looking at this line what are you thinking it makes you a better gambler. It really does. Totally agree. I even feel that way when we're texting about this. Our producer, Conrad, had another great college weekend. He got killed in the NFL. I had a bad NFL weekend, but hearing your process, you had a good one. I love this. I feel like I'm getting smarter. In sports, as in life, you win some and you lose some. One minute you're up, the next minute you're down. But it's important to be prepared for the bumps in your life, whether it's a game, your career, or your marriage. My motto is always be ready. Now, are you ready for some football? Finally, let's get to the Monday night football game. This one's interesting, Lynch. The Chiefs, undefeated, probably the second best team in the NFL after the Rams. They visit the Denver Broncos in a game where the line movement has been almost incredible. I mean, just watching this is amazing. I'm going to, before I toss it to you, because uh, i got to hear your logic here, I just want to note, I always say Vance Joseph is a guy to stay away from as a head coach. 2-12-1 against the spread in his last 15 games. He killed me last year repeatedly, and I feel like a moron going back to the well because I took... Denver in the Super Contest. I already regret it. The world appears to be on the Broncos. I'm chalking this up as a loss, uh, and we're multiple hours away from the game. 
Lynch, tell me about the line movement and your logic on where you are on this game. I, you are in full reverse jinx mode. I respect that. Yeah, this this line has been all over the place. It opened at KC minus five, was almost immediately bet down to KC minus four, then sprung back up at some books to KC minus five and a half, and is now down to KC minus three and a half. The sharp action has mostly been on Denver. There was a little bit of a hedge there, I think, to get that number back up to minus five and a half. Um, but now that this is down to KC minus three and a half, J-Mac, I don't know what you got it in the super book or in the super contest. I love this line at minus three and a half. I do love the Denver defense. I think if I think they have a chance to potentially slow down this Kansas City offense. How? That is a very good well, question. Come on, the secondary's garbage. And that's the thing. They're going to have to create pressure at the line of scrimmage. Um, but the problem is, I mean, Adam Jones, Tremaine Brock, Brandon Marshall, Shelby Harris, DeMonte Thomas – you know, everybody in the back end of that Denver defense is banged up, if not going to miss this game tonight. And then on the other side of the ball, you have Case Keenum. And Case Keenum is the reason I'm taking Kansas City here. I just don't think there's any chance Case Keenum and the Broncos offense keeps pace with the Kansas City offense to the tune of a four-point uh, differential here. Case Keenum's throwing interceptions on almost 5% of his dropbacks. Uh, it's third worst in the NFL behind the Bills, who <laughs> had Nathan Peterman out there to start the season, and Fitz Tragic and the Bucks. <laughs> um, he's averaging 5.4 adjusted yards per attempt. That's worse than Marcus Mariota and the Titans. Don't mean to shade Marcus too much there. It's just that offense doesn't look to matriculate the ball downfield through the passing game. And he's been worse on that stat than Dak Prescott, who's struggling, to put it nicely, in Dallas. Um, I just, this chief's offense is too good for Denver to cover three and a half. All right, just to avoid uh, Listen, your reverse jinx comment was spot on, but just to avoid that, let, let me sell case Keenum here and why I went Broncos. You should sell case. Keenum. Nobody, <laughs> nobody is as good or bad as they were last week. Okay. We just saw the Baltimore defense completely shut down big Ben. Case Keenum struggled against this pretty good unit last week, right? So maybe he's not that bad. We did see him torch Seattle in the opener. 329 yards. Yes, there were three interceptions. Did have three TDs, 8.4 yards per attempt. That was at home. Keenum was bad in Baltimore. I just think Keenum can do enough. I I, I hate that I'm on the side with the worst coach, with the worst quarterback. Uh, you, you've got the better receivers, the better running. I mean, everything in an offensive league where we just saw a week where five quarterbacks went over 400 yards passing, I don't know if Keenum can do that. I, I feel like I'm on the wrong side here, but... Wait, there's more. The Broncos starting quarterba cornerbacks, excuse me, both of them are in the bottom 25 in the NFL for starting cornerbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. On 24 targets so far this year, they've allowed 20 catches for 9.5 yards per attempt, 228 yards allowed, and one touchdown. So again, the cornerbacks are allowing 9.5 yards per attempt when they're targeted. There are three quarterbacks in the NFL averaging 9.5 yards per attempt. Jared Goff, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's probably going to be on the bench moving forward, and Patrick Mahomes. This could get Ugly. It could. Now, wait, Chris Harris is one of those corners in the bottom 25? 
So Chris Holy Harris has actually lined up about 60% of the time in the slot so far this year, uh, which has been really interesting uh, from the Denver defense. Well, you think he'll shadow Tyreek Hill? I th- they're going to have to at least consider that, especially with Adam Jones banged up. Yeah, Chris Harris, three-time Pro Bowler. However, that was playing alongside Aqib Tlaib and with you know better safety play. All right, well, I, listen, I'm not endorsing a Broncos play, certainly not a three-and-a-half. Uh, I got him at, at plus five. I, I got to stick with it. I did uh, one of the uh, complaints that we got uh, on social media. And listen, we do love the feedback. Hit me, hit Lynch. Um, was you want us to make picks. You want us to be definitive. And and I will say last week, I did not feel good. And Lynch, some weeks there are going to be games where I would say I have a lean. Lynch will say I'd buy a half point. And I'm not going to feel confident, okay? I did like the Bears, and I was confident betting against them. I like the Cowboys, and that was a whiff. Uh, But we will do better going forward to try to be definitive with, I'm on this side. Tonight, I can tell you, I'm not endorsing a Denver Broncos uh, at three and a half. If you got five, hey, roll with me. Maybe we'll celebrate by pouring some out at halftime if we're not down 28. So thank you very much for listening to Coming Up Winners. We'll be back on Thursday. Again, we love the subscribe. We love the rate. We love the reviews. They're trickling in positively. We do love that. And as usual, hashtag put up or shut up if you want to gamble against me. Haven't looked at the college football slate, but I promise I'll bounce back from the one and four. And I cannot do any worse in the NFL after this week's struggles. For Lynch, for me, for producer Conrad, we will talk to you Thursday. Thursday.